Roll for initiative. Welcome to the Honor Roll Podcast, the podcast that helps you level up your RPG. Mush, LARP, tabletop, and everything in between. We're not better gamers than you, we just all have different experiences to share. And maybe we can help you have more fun at your game, because the only way to win at a role-playing game is to have have fun. fun. I'm Ryan, I'm the curmudgeon, and joining me, as always, is the legend, Carrie. Hi. And Jason, the favorite. That's right, and also the one who's trying to figure out that if I just hire people to do the hard parts of running a LARP, if that's better. I, I saw know. that. I saw that Facebook post you made. Yeah, it's, I think that's well. You know what? A lot of those big companies all do. Uh, they have character writers. So I'm like, I don't want to sit around and write 30 characters. I could hire people that would vary the experiences to write better characters than I could by myself. Yeah, mm. this isn't about you being lazy. It's about you getting marginalized writers representation, which I'm going to pay them. <laughs> so it's you know that's the idea. What? The oh. Hell? Way to spin diversity into uh, no, smarmy into, business practice. <laughs> laziness into diversity. It's the, is that it, what that is? Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and take a second to remind people that we have a Patreon. If we you, have a Patreon. Thank if you. If they somehow forgot. If you, if you like the show and you want to get free stuff, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. And some people back us at a high enough level every month that they get shout-outs on the show. It's the wizard level. And this is the week, if you've been planning on doing it, this is the week that you need to just go ahead and knock it out. How yeah. much is it at the wizard level? I don't read our stuff or pay attention. I don't know. Okay, that's fair. Look it up. It's important. People should go to patreon.com slash podcast and see how much money it takes. It's not much, though. <laughs> it isn't much. No. No, it's not too much. Well, we don't have any new patrons, but we do have a bunch of old patrons. We love all of our old patrons. Yeah. They're so Continuing old. Patreons. First up, we've got old. Joel Eastland. Joel. Oh, this whole time I thought it was Eastman. No, I've been saying Eastman. it wrong for years. Really? <laughs> He's he's the love rhino. The he love is. rhino. He okay. is. Mm. Who else do we have? Uh, we've got Ryan Martin, who's my favorite Ryan. That? Oh. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Drew Stevens is my favorite Drew. I guess. There we go. Do you oh, know a lot of Drews? He's no. my favorite okay. Stevens. Like, oh, sorry, even Stevens. Yeah, um, even Stevens. What about Noah Coltrip? What about, about Noah? It? I don't know. Stealing my line. I am. Carrie, who's yes. your favorite Patreon? Now, now my favorite is Sarah. Well, if you'd like a shout out, of course we'd love to give you one, and you can get a shout out and other free stuff by helping us keep the but show. But mostly, on the you air. get a shout out. But yeah. mostly, most importantly, mostly, mostly at night. And you can do that at Patreon.com/slash Honorable Podcast. So. Yes. When last we left our intrepid adventurers, we were sitting at this table recording a podcast. But this time, we're sitting at this table recording. Another podcast. Well, not a different one. The same one, just a different episode. I know. It's kind of sad. It is kind of sad. Well, no, we no, 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 no. We that. You remember that day we talked about doing the other podcast in which we're wizard detectives? <laughs> That's going to be so good if I we ever I think we it, should though. do that one. <laughs> it's going to be so good. Okay, so this is what we do, guys. When <laughs> Instead of show prepping... We come we, up with better we, shows. We come up with other shows we'd rather be doing. <laughs> You're literally prepping a list of shows. Yeah. 
Nice. Uh, yeah, you know. So what have you been up to, Carrie? I, I, well, I've been doing lots of art. Uh, I'm down to the last two pieces for the gun belt. Mm. Mm. All right. Are they guns or belts? No, they are not. Oh, okay. Oh. And uh, my Kickstarter is live right now. Yeah, Ooh. where can people find your um, Kickstarter? It's Kickstarter. No, it's realfunstudios.com. Oh, ah, yeah. It's all everything's on realfunstudios.com, right? It feels that way. Well, the Kickstarter's there. Yeah, the, the Kickstarter really there. Right yeah, now. right now that's the one that well, matters. Well, I backed you, not just because we're friends. Oh, thanks. But I would have, <laughs> even if it was terrible. But in this case, oh, it's not. It's really cool. <laughs> what, what is your Kickstarter? It's postcards. It is 31 postcards that I did one every day last Inktober. Oh, so you could send one of those out every day of the month. You could. Unless it's a short month. And then, But then you have some left over. Bonus for yourself. Yeah. Pick, yeah. yeah. Wait yeah. till February. Pick your, you know, three favorites. And then send the rest. And send the rest. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. yeah they are I'm, really cool. I'm, I'm sorry. Fi- I'll interrupt you only once more. Wow. I'm 53% funded, so I'm, I, I've gotten the halfway mark so that's good mm-hmm. i've only got 11 people supporting me so far so that'd be awesome if we could get that higher so we need 11 more at least 11 more right and if you can't afford to support it you can support it by sharing it yes yeah definitely please share it to all the social medias so there's that even oh. snapchat it, um, have you shared it on reddit yet jason did you forget you were doing Reddit? <laughs> I didn't forget. I just haven't. Uh, I go on there once a week to post a new episode, and that's all right now. Mm. I don't have enough content to keep doing that. I do need to oh. post your Patreon, and I'll do it right after the episode. Woo-hoo. All not, right. Uh, not um, your Patreon, your Kickstarter. And then I've also uh, started the the very, very bare bones working for a new mush. The secret project? The secret project. I really love it. So the working name for it is Adventures Not Wanted. I like that. And so it's going to be very exciting. Hey, you know what? I bet we should talk to Josh. He would know about what, how far you can push that. Oh, okay, yeah. Josh. It just occurred to me. Josh, Josh, we're coming for you. Message Carrie as soon as you listen to this. Actually, we'll probably message you sooner. Yeah, probably. What have you been up to, Jason? Well, uh, as far as like role-playing stuff, I've been still getting through LARP design. It's a pretty hefty book, and I only have so much time a day to read. And what made me think about hiring character writers uh, was both my laziness and the fact that I was making my way through the chapter on uh, creating characters for uh, trans and uh, gay people and how that it's super tricky because... I'm neither one of those. Right. So Wait, I have, what? I have to think about the idea. Like, in some ways, it's easier for me to write for a woman that's straight because at least I understand part of that, you know, right. intuitively. Sure. Uh, and you can write characters that are genderless much easier than you can write characters that are uh, – Different than yourself. I'm trying to say this without putting my foot in my mouth, and I'm doing my best, <laughs> but I feel like I'm still doing it. So one of the things that the article talks about, though, is the fact that you're probably going to make mistakes unless you have those life experiences. Right. And so anybody without those life experiences should at the very least be passing it by somebody. Sure, yeah. So, And also, just leaving those concepts completely out of your LARP, while that's acceptable – is not really the best practice because if you do, people that are... They feel excluded. They yeah. feel excluded. Even though, like, you might say, this is not about sexuality. I wrote 30 characters and all of them are straight. 
Well, no, that, that because is now you've about made it, right. Yeah, now you, you've made it about straight people. Well, as soon as you identify a character's sexuality, well, you don't have to because just like when we talked about uh, Harlem Unbound, people default to thinking about mm-hmm. things as straight and white, and I mean that's wrong, but that's the default. Well, no, we're going to take that one step closer. Or straight one, white men, yes, yeah, absolutely. Straight white men is what everyone I you know. And so uh, several years ago, I listened to a great uh, YouTube video about how that you should write all of your characters genderless if you're writing them for a LARP mm-hmm. because that simplifies th- – that way you're never putting your bias into it. Because if I was to write every character like a man but then leave the gender off, most of the time it would be fine. As long as I don't talk about my dick too much, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, uh, but like, okay, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Jump oh, I'm, in. Yes, I, I also no, hold don't on. Have I'm going to jump in here. Go ahead. Because what? No, you're gonna be quiet. Uh probably not. I'm gonna throw something at you. So, I can turn his mic. Off. I, I literally am gonna throw something at both of you. So I have met so many storytellers, DMs mm-hmm. that are guys that honestly believe they are running a female NPC right. Well, I it, try you, not to do that. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, the the problem is that, and I run into this with mush a lot. Sure. Because, you know, you can play whatever gender you want. Right. And you can always, always tell when it's a guy playing a girl. And you can tell when it's a girl playing usually, a guy. As, usually. As a man, I tell, I can tell, mm-hmm. um, ju- um, I would say just as easily as you as a woman pick out. Boys playing girls. Well, I, can, I pick out girls playing boys. I can generally tell when someone's not playing their own gender. Sure. In mush and in tabletop, it's it's more more likely it's guys in tabletop. Sure. That are, are, are you know, they do this, you know, because it's always like her breast heave and you're like, stop right there. Yes. Like, just do. And so I think that it is important, like what you said, to have someone read over these characters or histories or whatever when it is not your gender. Yeah, that's um, fair. But the the idea is even that's, even if it's uh, or or even or sexuality or whatever it is, because just because someone is straight doesn't mean that they understand what the other gender straight is like. Well, is I what I meant. What I what I more meant was like I can say this person had this job and they didn't like their dad, and mm-hmm. that's fair. Everybody has those feelings. Yeah, but if it's someone who's trans, that could have a lot more layers in today's society than it would in some perfect science fiction society that's going to exist hopefully 30 or 40 years in the future where everybody is basically equal. That all said, one of the things that made me think was, heck, I don't want to write 30 characters anyway. (laughs) So what if I just hired enough people, like I wrote my five or six, and then I hired people to write the rest of them. Uh, it would give me a greater depth of characters because people have different experiences than me. And we would still work to make it so that people could choose how they wanted to play them, but at the same time not tying them into my type perspective. So anyway, that's what I've been thinking about so this there. week. Yeah. What about you, Ryan? Just, what have you uh, been doing? Starting, I need to just start going first. <laughs> no, no, you, you always want to go last because you have the topper. I no, I don't. Except when I go to jail. Then you don't have the topper. <laughs> yeah. And then you were the topper. That was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Whoa! Whoa! <sighs> uh, you know what? I've done zero. 
I've done nothing since our last Well, you, you went to New Orleans, right? I yeah, did. that's kind of a... I went to New Orleans the for... The city that you hate. Right. I went to New Orleans for work, and basically that was my whole week. Um, and I, I worked at a conference where I sat... I stood at a booth for, you know, nine hours a day. Oh, that for sucks. four days, yeah. So. Indeed, I've done that stressful. for a convention. I've never done that for... Yeah, it's, it's rough. It's funny because we talk about how it's my least favorite city. Mm-hmm. And it, a lot of that is because I have had just a lot of miserable, bad experiences there and things. Uh, and this time I got all the way to the last day and I thought to myself, I made the mistake. I thought <laughs> I did it. Like I made it. I had a pretty okay time. Mm-hmm. I ate good. I got, oh, you always eat good, so don't give me I that got, bullshit. I got beignets. Oh, mm, I tried. Good. I tried ham hock and Hoppin' Johns. But that's good, right? It was delicious, of course, right? And I thought, all right, so yeah, like a jerk. He kept sending me pictures of. Oh, food. And we posted them on uh-huh. Facebook. We all had to look at them. <sighs> and so I thought, okay, I had. An acceptable trip to New Orleans. This is good. So what happened on Sunday? <laughs> uh, so I got in the car and I left and I drove three hours and I got to... So that's middle, a little better than... The middle of nowhere, Mississippi, stopped for gas mm-hmm. and my debit card was gone. Oh no! You Did you leave it? I apparently had... It was never, it was never handed back to me at the restaurant I was at the night before for dinner. Oh, so what yeah. did you do? Well, I've, at first I sat there going, well, I'm screwed. Yeah, <laughs> like there were some F-bombs. So at first I was mad and it was the F-bomb. And then I was worried because what do you do? What do you a, do? On a Sunday, like Western Union's not open. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, and I've been there. So then it was, it went from F-bombs to the OS-bombs. Yeah. You know, uh, because I didn't know what, what I would do. Um, and then I thought, oh, well, I'm, I'm sitting in the parking lot of a Walmart because that was the gas station that I tried to go to. And I thought, OK, I'm going to go into the Walmart and I have I have a, a Walmart pay on my phone. You know, I can use oh. the app. And so I thought, OK, maybe I can get gas. Maybe I can maybe I can get uh, maybe I can go in and, and get, get cash gas back. back. Yeah. Get mm-hmm. cash back. Yeah. Uh, but it turns out with Walmart pay, you can't get cash back. OK. So I was like, crap, what what am I going to do? And then I noticed that they had uh, a desk by their customer service thing that said money services. And I thought, oh, I wonder if maybe maybe I can get Western Union or something. Well, it turns out, for those of you who are ever on a trip and, and need emergency money, Walmart uses themselves as a Western Union. So you can literally have your wife, Carrie, save the day by driving right around the corner from the house and going up to the money services desk and basically just having Walmart swipe, you know, her debit card for a hundred bucks. And then I go to the money services desk at the Walmart I'm at in Mississippi and they hand me the hundred bucks that she sent. I've got a question. What was the charge? Eight dollars. They That's charge cheaper than Western it Union. It is cheaper yeah. than what they charge four bucks every fifty dollars. Cause I got Western Union money because I had a very similar experience. It's like eighteen dollars. Yeah, it was a hundred bucks and it cost me about twenty. Right. Yeah. And that was just to get me through a few days. But but Walmart's like, you know, it's just going into our system, whatever. It's taking money out of one pocket and putting it in yeah, the other. Yeah, because most like you're, right? yeah. But they're gonna, you're going to spend it there. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So, and then I walked out and I spent, you know, the first 31 of it at their gas station. So, you know, bank error in Walmart's favor. Yeah. Um, there was a thing that my dad used to do. Uh, Shoplift? Shoplift. That's a different story. <laughs> he did. Okay. There is some stories about dad doing stuff like that, but that's for another podcast. 
uh, episode. Is that our wizard podcast? We may need to start doing a a podcast that's just called, you know, (laughs) Stuff Jason's Family Done. Well, (laughs) I do have some pretty good stories. (laughs) But that's beside the point. This one, uh, he he did this thing where he would give, like if I was going out of town or my brother was going out of town, he would give us a Walmart card. You know, the like, like, the, yeah, like a gift like, card, like a gift card, but because you can refill that over the phone. Really? So you buy the Walmart card for like, you know, it charges like two or three bucks. Yeah. Yep. Now you've got a, a backup debit card for life. It's not a horrible idea. And then you just call them or you go to the store and give them the number. And I want to say that it's free to refill it because you're just refilling it like you would if it was uh, a gift card. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. there you go. Yeah. That's that's how to survive a trip with no with no money. Yeah. Let's go to combat rounds. Woo-hoo! Welcome to combat rounds. What are we gonna talk about today? <laughs> <laughs> they just had to listen to that music. They don't need to listen to it again. I they? know. Today we're going to talk about uh, plots. Oh, we've talked about plots before. What do we want to talk about different today? Does, does size matter? Does size? Oh, yes. he's been sitting on that one, hasn't he? Yes, <laughs> yes, it does. That's what she said. I'm yeah. t- look, I'm just saying, anyone that tells you size doesn't matter is lying. I'm just saying that I once bought a Marilade, and it was not the same size as me. Marty picked out the biggest one they had. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm glad she doesn't listen. I, I, <laughs> how would you say that size mattered while you were in prison? <laughs> oh. He's been sitting on that one for a while, too. Yeah, really? You sat on that one a while. Oh. Oh. This is going to be the episode. Yeah. Here's a, okay. This is the one where we start losing people. <laughs> since, we're, since we're talking about, since we're doing like redneck humor for a second, uh, I was, I got, we got pizza tonight before we recorded sure. this. The mm-hmm. three of us had pizza together. and we did. Um, and I, I got it from Little Caesars. Because you're high class. That's right. And the guy in line, the guy in line in front of me was wearing uh, his mechanics jumpsuit, okay. right? right? Smelled like motor oil. Yeah, whatever. Had, rolls, but coming, okay. home from, coming home from work, he, he walked up to the counter and the guy was like, can I help you? And he goes, yeah. I'd like me one of them extra most besties. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to say in his defense. Wait, That's you... literally what it's called. It's extra most best. Whatever. But it was just funny. The extra most bestie. And I thought, I want one. I want me one of the extra most bestie. Yeah, that does sound nice. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, we had pepperoni. Well, it was yeah. extra most bestie pepperoni. Oh, is that the... What's the difference? Okay, wait. I don't know. We're, it's a dollar the, more. This is... <laughs> This is the worst pig trail we've ever went down. Let's, so, let's keep going then. We spent a whole episode last week doing a goat trail. What's wrong with a pig trail? Uh, we had a guest. Does size matter? <laughs> does size matter? Okay, so what do you mean by that? Well, Carrie? I mean, what does size matter? <laughs> well, because you're always saying you're a size queen, but I don't really know what you, that means. Is it the length? Explain? Is it the length of no, the plot, no. or is it how meaty? Uh, it is? Just the girth of the plot. The girth of the plot. Okay. Yeah. We're, wow. We are so. This is bad. So Ryan will edit most of this. Not a not a lick. <laughs> oh, not a lick. <laughs> Mosty bestest bestest bigestest. Come on, Carrie. Give us tips. <laughs> <laughs> I am not doing this. I'm not. You guys are terrible. 
Okay, so I want to do a podcast with girls. They would do. Okay, I think they you should would. do a podcast with girls. No. Hey, you should get your mush friend to do a podcast with you. What's her name? Is that Rubber 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 Rubber? That's that's her, isn't it? Sarah, yes. Yeah, oh, I had no idea how well, she's been saying she it wrong this whole time. Is a mush friend, not a the mush friend. friend. I have I have a couple mush friends that are women. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. there you go. You should do the all woman mush podcast. <laughs> I think that would be. I would listen to that, and I don't listen to this podcast much. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> so anyway, what got us talking about this was over pizza. Yes. We were talking about how. A couple of things. I just finished The Dark Tower, which is mm-hmm. somewhat famous for having a, a letdown ending, even though the author told you it's going to be a letdown right before the ending. Stephen King is famous for letdown endings. Though. Well, endings are so hard. <laughs> right, yeah, but, but no. He no. is particularly skilled at bad endings. He just I, he revs you up so hard, and then he goes, it's a space alien spider. Or he goes, it's the literal hand of God. No. Like he, it's always like he's questioning, like, can, well, can will this will fly? Will you buy this? Will, will you this buy? fly? Yeah, like right up, right up to the last thirty pages. The Stand is one of the greatest novels oh, so of good. all time. And then I, just, I know that the uh, Marty watched the miniseries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she watched that, and and uh, I know that the very end, everybody just kind of forgets what happened and goes home or right. something like that. The thing with the the thing with the hand of God at the end of the Stand is it works better in the book though because you can at least. Imagine it as abstract as you might imagine God's literal hand. But in the intervening, was it, yeah, but in the miniseries, it's a hand. It's like yeah, it's a blue screen burp. hand floating through the sky, going. Burp, burp, burp. <laughs> okay, God, so God makes that noise. So why are endings so hard and stuff like this? I think endings are hard because in LARP because of the level of investment that players have. Well, I think in any game. Yeah. People get invested. Yeah, in, in any role playing game, I um, shouldn't have said LARP. Yeah, and also. Your what you whatever you and this is even just in books, you know. We all envisioned what we thought was going to happen at the end of the stand, right? And then there was a giant hand. What you know, like it's not what I thought. I could do that better. <laughs> you, know, you know, like but, but we all do that. We all, you know. Well, I would have ended it this way. And so, some some of this comes from the fact that the longer the story is, the more downtime between games, for example, mm-hmm. players have to think about what the ending will be like. Well, I, I I guarantee you, if you ran a, a one-shot plot that takes place in one gaming session, right, your players are probably going to be more happy, more satisfied with your ending to that one-shot than they would if you ran a plot over the course of a year yeah. and have an ending. Even if it's the best ending, they're not going to be as satisfied with it because they've had time to think about and anticipate. It isn't so, even that you've disappointed them. Big stories are hard. Big stories are hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's lots of challenges to big stories. So one of the the only really big LARP stories I've heard, and it, I didn't personally experience, that people seem satisfied with, it was like a, a an eight-year arc at this big boffer LARP. Uh, and the ending, as described, was almost like a rock show, like light effects and all kinds of stuff. They, they went all out. They had a huge... I forget what you call it, where, like, you drop a projector screen, but then you project on the back of it. Right. Yeah. yeah. They did a bunch of stuff like that, and and that was satisfying, but it was so big, that was what was required to to end this big story. Right. Yeah. And also, from the, the way that people described it, there was tons of interaction that people had. So... I guess what I'm trying to say is if you've told something that huge, it's got to have a huge payoff and people have to feel like they can affect it. 
The problem is most of the time that's impossible. Most of us don't have the budget to create a gigantic movie set. Most of us don't have the writing skill to tell a D&D story that's got a gigantic ending that pays off. Not because you're bad, but because it takes a level that if you could do it, you would be a professional writer. You wouldn't be running right. D&D. <laughs> or, or you would, and it would be a podcast that makes a million dollars. You know, If we're going to talk about big stories for a second, the secret to a successful ending of a big story is mm-hmm. to make your ending really tiny. So I agree. As your story gets larger and larger and longer and longer, when you get to the end, you have nowhere to go that's bigger. So what you have to do is make it a very, very personalized and individualized. But I think you have to be doing that all the way from the beginning. You certainly have to be laying the seeds. Yes. Yeah. It, and that's the problem of the Dark Tower. That, and I'd say the reason why people are disappointed is because while there was certainly plenty of seeds that led towards that... All too often the stories were too big instead of making them very personal. The right. best ones in that series are ones in which they're very personal. The worst ones are the ones in which they're not. But that's true of everything. Yep. If you're running a game, if people don't feel personally invested in, in the characters, their own, and also any NPCs that you have or the like, then you're not telling a good story, well, no and, matter how big it is. Yeah, NPCs are so important for that. Like, that is how you make those personal emotional connections you know you have to have the npc as he's dying reach up to your player and grasp them by the shirt and be like avenge me or or whatever you know you you have to have those moments that drives the emotion and the emotion is what makes those small moments important so spectacle is only so good really at Mm -hmm. the end of the day if it doesn't have an emotional content yeah it's worthless let's talk about uh, giant epic stories that do work because they get tiny at the end. Okay. Uh, like the one, the, the easy one that's a, a simple example is, is the original Star Wars trilogy. Absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and then Return of the Jedi. Okay, and, and you can hate Ewoks or whatever. You can nitpick elements. The movies have their flaws. Right. But uh, Ewoks are not one of them. Though. I agree with you. Ewoks <laughs> All right. are amazing. I'm just like wanting to go on record to sure. say that. Yeah. But basically, as that story progresses and gets larger and larger, it goes from being a story about a farm boy mm-hmm. who just wants to, you know, get off his freaking farm. Right. Right. And get out from his uncle's thumb. Right. And by the time it's over. Owen! It- <laughs> Owen! By the time it's done, this this set of movies is about saving the entire galaxy from a tyrannical rule of an evil galactic emperor, right? But but that's not what it's really about. But that's about, not what it? it's about because when you get to those last moments of Star Wars or of uh, Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. what it really is about is the moment of Vader asking Luke to take his helmet off. Yes, yeah. that's what it all comes. It's down about to. saving his dad. It's about yep. saving his dad right after his dad saves him. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's not a, you know, yes, the universe gets saved and we get to kind of see that. And, you know, that's fine. Yay. But it's the, all fine. the space battle stuff is fun. But standing in that throne room, watching Luke fight his father, seeing as his uh, vest falls open. Right. And it's wide on the inside. And even if you don't get it in the moment, yep. you intuitively understand. Your brain gets it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I think that we need to that's a lesson. That's a lesson for us as storytellers. Mm-hmm. You know, the bigger your story gets, the smaller really your ending needs needs to get. If you could tell us tell an epic story, but but at in at the end of the day, that crucial moment at the end can't be epic. Yeah. It has to be personal. 
The heavy guys, stuff is in the background. Have you guys ever ran something that you felt worked? Oof. A, a large I've never problem. ran a single thing I felt worked. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, have you ever ran a, a, a large plot that at the end you went, nailed it? Like, for me, I think when we ran Medici. I feel like Medici. So I've heard about Medici, but that happened right before I started playing with you all. Okay. So how did it work? Medici was an NPC. Right. That uh, In a kind, werewolf game. In a werewolf game. And he was the villain. Well, he didn't start as a villain. He sure. started gray. And then we progressed him to becoming the villain. And he ended up uh, running for president of the United States. And it was ridiculous. Sure. And it was awesome because, like, our players didn't quite know how to deal with that because they couldn't just go roll him. It was just ridiculous enough that they bought it hook, line, and and sinker. Yeah, and we we made buttons, you know. So what was the payoff? Um, There was a big fight at the end. But the, the, the emotional part of Medici, though, is the whole plot of Medici was that he was trying to elevate... Metis, which is uh, a lower class of werewolf, sure, to being equal or even better than other werewolves. Like he was giving them like cybernetic enhancements. enhancements. Okay. Um, and so at the end, when they they finally defeated Medici, and then they looked around, and there's all these like children with cybernetics. What do you do with them? What, what do you do, do with, with them? them? And so like all these people just took these kids home. Then, then suddenly it was this emotional attachment of, like, there's a baby. They, they were almost, it was almost a trick from a storytelling perspective because you went, ha-ha, the big epic story ends in the big epic battle. And they finished the big epic battle and then we went, ah, but, but wait. wait. But wait, there's... It really ends with this little tiny personal heartstring of what do you do with all of these baby metas with electronics in them? Yeah. You know, like, do you rip them out? Do you because they're, that's them? against your general principles. Right. But, but you know, you'll kill them, maybe. And it's yeah, not their fault. Absolutely. And, and some, some of them were killed by characters. But that leads to whole other plots. Sure. Yeah, you know, and, and for me, anyway, that's one of my favorite things that we've ever ran because there was so much emotion. Like, I remember the scene, because we, we split it up. There was, like, six or seven storytellers that were running that scene. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we had different locations that this, we were on. This was at a large LARP. Yeah. And um, all I remember is one of the babies that I described, what, like, was a baby werewolf, but he had porcupine quins, quills all over him. Mm-hmm. The players kept trying to pick him up because he was <laughs> crying. <laughs> and he kept stabbing them. And they were like, I don't care. I'll take the damage. This baby needs to be held. And then I was just like, Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I don't know. Like, I, I always think that you can you can have a small plot without a big plot, but you can't have a big plot without small pieces yeah. like that. You've got to have people can't conceive saving the world. Not really. No. And we've talked about that a little bit before. I mean, even in real life, uh, a lot of the problems that we have nowadays are so big that people have a hard time conceiving of them. That's why you have to give them a human face if you want it to work. Yes, absolutely. You have to know why I care. Like, it's not enough for me to save hungry kids. Like, I should. Everybody should want to save all yes. the hungry kids. But you put a picture but, of one hungry kid. Yeah. Well, that's, it's the difference between saving 100 children and saving Billy. Yep. Yes. That's the... Everybody's going to save Billy. Yeah. 
<laughs> Billy's in the well. Yeah, go. An, an example is, you know, and this is not role playing, but at work, we ticket money for people who've been hurt or the like mm-hmm. that, that, that we know. Yeah. So people who work there or uh, are close to the people who work there. And it is nothing for a, a few thousand dollars to be taken up for somebody that people have heard of or identify with. Mm-hmm. But then when they have like yearly charity drives, they do okay, but nothing like ones that are personal. Now, it should really be the opposite, but we all know that you identify with one person way yeah. better, one story than a thousand stories. Right. That's why spokes spokespeople are so important. Yes. You know, they literally put a face to a problem. You have to have a focal point. Mm-hmm. And it, it creates that emotional tie. And emotional ties are what make good stories. So yeah. do you think that small stories are better than big stories? Uh, I think that small ter- stories are great. I like, you know, I like a little spectacle too, but it's like, I like Game of Thrones, but I'm more interested in what the characters are going through as individuals than what's going to yeah. happen with the White Walkers. Like, I mean, that stuff's fun, but at the end of the day, I want to, I'm invested in Jon Snow. I'm not invested in the North. I'd be invested in Jon Snow. Well, I think everybody would. He's a beautiful man. <laughs> yes, he is. Um, Though I, I, without his beard, he looks weird. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think, I don't think that's small stories are more important i think that they are more necessary though you have to have several small stories before you can even have a big story like i i I think that's the foundation of any good game do you think that's why the marvel cinematic universe works because it's usually about the characters well because it's it's one big story but it's being told in two hour increments of small stories Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's that's why i think endgame is going to be Nervous. Well, that's one because of the it, things we talked about before yeah. the show started was, will in the game be good? Is it possible for it to be good? Because it's going to be so big. Can it's they, a 22 movie payoff. Yeah. You know, like, Ugh. And it's going to be three hours long. Right. Well, I mean, think about it. We've watched almost 70 hours of these characters. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, well, if you start including... Uh, uh, Agents of Shield. Agents oh of Shield. no! And uh, Agent Carter. Agent oh, Carter. Agent My Carter was favorite. so good. Yeah. Ugh. And then all the. I mean, there's been tons of extra mm-hmm. stuff, and most of us have watched all of it. Mm-hmm. How do you pay that off? It has to be personal stories. Well, you know something we talked about. Every character on there that disappeared had somebody close to them that didn't. Right. Yeah. So now we get to see it through their eyes. Yeah. Well, even in that big one I talked about with the huge production, ultimately the story was about like this big goddess who had become messed up and corrupted. As one does. As one does. And there was a pure version that they had to help. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, the story with all this huge spectacle going on around them was about helping this one person yeah. walk from one end of the field to the other because that represented them becoming becoming the better version of themselves again. Right. So when you're running an epic campaign that's going every weekend for, you know, a year, you know, that is a large story. How do you grab small stories as part of that to to keep that sort of baseline? I'm going to say this and this is ridiculous. Side quests. I know everyone always kind of laughs because like that's like a, a joke in, in video games. Sure. Side quests are usually the more fun part. Everybody of does side quests yeah. before they do the main quest. Right. Yeah. You know, in in. You know, you give your players side quests, you know, you, and you make sure you tailor those side quests to connect the players to that bigger plot. And the you world know? as a whole. And the world as a whole. Make them care. Even if it's just to save 
Miss Tilly's cat from a tree. Then you have that cat come back in a couple sessions later and have it be important. It you turns know, out it's a farkle. Yeah, it's a farkle. <laughs> no, but, but like, you know, hey, wait, I saved that cat. That cat's I'm important con- to me. That cat's important. Suddenly there's a, a personal connection. And when the bad guy kills that cat. Or even just threatens it. Or threatens the cat or whatever. Then suddenly, you know, your players have a personal reason to go, you dickwad. You're not hurting Miss Tilly's cat. I'm going to stop you. You know, like. Now, there's a delicate balance there. There's players who have gotten jaded to the idea that everything they interact with gets threatened. So well, yeah, yeah. It doesn't no, I, have, I mean, I'm just saying that's a balance. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely the right path, though. Invest them in something mm-hmm. and then make that thing part of the larger story. There's nothing wrong with a MacGuffin if you use it right. No. The Maltese Falcon. It's one of the better movies I've ever watched in my life. <laughs> it's a great story, and it's about, you know... It's not about the bird at all, but it's <laughs> but about them it? finding it. Yeah. Right. Well, the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. Right? It's The Ark is not important at all. Nope. I in mean, fact, it, nothing that happens in the story matters except us getting to follow our favorite characters. Right. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Stories are about characters. And, and I'm always okay with Nazis getting their faces melted Well, off. yeah, obviously. That it's was beautiful. fucking disturbing. Oh. <laughs> Uh. Okay, here's here's something I'm going to talk about. The Goonies. Why is that movie so great? Sure, the kids go on an epic adventure, but like that stuff's fun. But it's great because we really care about these kids. Mm-hmm. We're afraid not just for their lives, but for the fact that their lives are ending socially as well. They're going to lose the thing that makes them feel special. You know they call that genre free-range kids? Yeah, yeah. I love it. But, yeah, I mean, The Goonies is a weird one because it's got a, in hindsight, it's a very problematic movie. Yeah. Sure, there's yeah, plenty of I mean, weird, <laughs> bad stuff that happens in movies in the 80s. Yeah. But I'm saying that I still think about those kids. Right. And I haven't seen that movie in years because everybody in some way knows what it's like to have their life uprooted. Mm-hmm. And so we, I, and to feel not in control and in the, that type of, that movie gave those children power and give them control. Yeah. You know, well, no, just even just power. Yes. I see what you mean. You know, and when you're at that age, that is so important to feel empowered. And the story is not really about the fact that they go on this awesome adventure and find it's the gold. It's not about One-Eyed Willie. It's not about One-Eyed Willie. It's about the fact that's, that... You know that's a dick joke, right? Yeah. Well, no, of course I know it's a dick joke. <laughs> Which, I was 12 once, too. <laughs> I, I work at a place where I can't eat a corn dog um, without a knife and fork. I understand. <laughs> your pincers of peril. <laughs> with your knife and fork. You gotta... You gotta you gotta be careful. You either gotta be willing to eat it with a knife and fork or... Just or, go all out. Or eat it all the way to the stick in one bite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the story's about the emotion. It's not It's It's not about the adventure at all. It's about baby Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why do why do we love uh, uh, Chunk so much? Because he loves those kids. Sloth. Sloth. I'm thinking of a different movie. No, no. No, Chunk is the fact Truffle Shuffle. Oh, it's been a long time. I don't remember names well. I do remember Stoplots. They named the fat kid Chunk and the Asian genius Data. Yeah. We could talk about problematic stuff all night. What do you do to connect characters to to your plot? To make it more personal? Romance is really important for in some games. Absolutely. And also really difficult. Yes. Like, especially for a male storyteller. Mm-hmm. 
um, it can be that that can be a dangerous arena to venture into. Yeah, yeah. You you, you don't want to your, your you don't want to make your players uncomfortable. You and your players have to be very okay I with think you it. Have to talk to them a little bit. Yeah. What we used to do, <laughs> when I when I used to run a portage, and this is more for uh, LARP and tabletop. Obviously, you sure. know, since mush, there's a screen. You don't really know who's who. What's what is typing? Joel Eastland and I used to be on a staff together, and whenever we had to play boyfriend and girlfriends, we would actually switch it up. He would always play the females, and I would always play the males. Because then there, it was... That, but that's because he's more feminine. Yeah, well, yeah, that's uh. true. No, it was actually because there was, it gave it a little bit of a disconnect. Okay, I like um, it. You know, like... A touch of farce. A, a little bit, yeah, like, we weren't mocking, but it was like, it, it made it a little less, now Carrie's going to actually try to make out with you or something, you know. fiction. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that that is a way to connect characters with your story. And I think, you know, there are a lot of classic tropes that are really easy to, to I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, revenge. Revenge is a thing because revenge is a thing. It is. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been a billion books written about revenge. Right. Uh, so I think I think simple things like take something that's important to your players mm-hmm. on a personal level, you know, uh, have it taken by somebody they can identify, you know, I hesitate to say have it taken by someone who betrays them because betrayal is a is always a difficult thing. It's tricky. Well, yeah, because if you, again, like you said, if, if your NPC betrays the PCs, then they start to question every NPC you have. Because and you're ultimately behind them. So right. So they identify it with you and sometimes. Yeah, and suddenly it's like, well, every NPC is going to fool us. Well, yeah. we used to have a rule um, when we were running uh, the vampire game that for every NPC that was a bad guy, we had to have an NPC that was a good guy. Okay, yeah. They they still were, were betrayed sometimes, but they also knew, like, somewhere out there, there were also NPCs that would help. Mm-hmm. Did you let your players know that? Was it an open secret? It, it, open secret. Like, I, I, I never announced it at, like, a pregame. But if it came up But during, if it came uh, up, I'd go, afters. hey, guys, there are NPCs there out there to help you guys. You just right. have to ask the right ones or figure out which ones they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've got betrayal. You've got revenge. You've got loss. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, stakes can make things personal, mm, you know, ribeye. Give me, vote. give me an example of a stake. I think that if you, for example, having a character's NPC mom from back home be kidnapped, mm-hmm. right? That raises the stakes. Cause now not only do we have to stop the bad guy from taking over the world, but the bad guy's also got mom. So now, taking over the world, bad. We'll go deal with that. But saving mom? Whoa! Yeah, yeah, okay. I think it's something you have to be careful with, especially when people talk about, like, frigid female characters and things like that. But, but at the same time, if you have someone in your life that is important to you, threatening them occasionally is not the... It it does not have to be a mom. Right, but... It could be a friend. It could be a mom. It could be anybody. It could be an old mentor. It could Mm -hmm. be their dog. People will go crazy for that. They do. (laughs) Yeah. But you got to be again. All these things have to be used but it in could, moderation. It could also be an item. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. my mom made me that blanket. Oh, that's good stuff. I was reading a comic book recently where one of the characters wound up sacrificing uh, like a necklace that their mother had given them years and years and years ago. And in that moment, it really connected them to the story because you knew how important what they were doing was. Mm-hmm. 
because they're willing to give away this last connection they have to their past to continue with what they're doing now. So now, even if you don't care about the plot, they care about the plot. So in your storytelling, you can do this by connecting things to their histories and then giving them opportunities to say, like, sacrifice mom's necklace. It doesn't even have to be stolen from them. It can just be, this is the right thing to do. Right. So now they're invested because they've sacrificed. You just touched on a really important thing, too. Uh, You know, we always talk about good characters having histories, you know, and encouraging your your players to sort of have some idea of of what their character's history is. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is the time when you as a storyteller make use of that. Mm -hmm. Dip in. Right. People love it, too. So as a player, tell me about, as a player, the differences between experiencing a large and a small story. So I I think the big difference is spectacle. Like, if it's a big story, you're usually expecting some level of, you know, rippling explosions or a huge fight. Uh, And as a player, almost every one of those I've ever been to has been boring. Yeah. I've, I have <laughs> mass almost walked is, out of mass combat I, so many times. Mass combat is difficult in any game mechanic system. Yep. Even in like live combat systems, but Bofferlarps especially, I've seen mass combats take much longer than they should have just because it's easy for someone to trip and get right. hurt, and now we've got to stop. Or somebody has a really important question that uh, connects to what's going on in front of them. Like, hey... I I have been hitting this person. Do do they notice, or is there some effect that I'm not seeing? What information am I missing? Yeah, yeah. Or I do you know I'm using this power? And I think rolling dice is just as can be just as long. Yes, and, and it's process riddled. It? Yeah, people having to check check rules. How does that spell work? Right. You and know, if uh, while I'm in this combat, what am I what am I getting to do? Like, right. what if you're not the combat specialist? Yeah. What are you doing now? Or you're playing the rogue and you spent the last 45 minutes of game time sneaking up on the Dark Lord. Sneaking around to the other side of the battle so you could walk (laughs) up behind the guy. Yeah, and so now either you get, maybe you get to do this really cool thing where you kill the guy by yourself. Or you roll a one. And now he's not dead. Yeah. And And you are. And you are. Yeah. And so maybe that could still be fun for you, but it's going to be hard. I feel like as a player, the, the key is to mislead me. Or misdirect me. Make me think that this big battle is the thing. Because it's this epic story, and I want this ending to be epic, right? Right. And so at the end of the day, you know, when you watch Return of the Jedi, what you really want to celebrate is that Death Star blowing up. Mm -hmm. And that's what you celebrate. But what actually got to you was the helmet coming off of Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. So you're saying you almost have to have a little... Both. I have to have the big explosion. I do think I do because think that's my support. underline. That's yeah. like boom. This happened. Explanation point. But the sentence is, and then Darth Vader died. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I, and I think that as a player, if you really want to get Darth Vader's death to get under my skin, you have to sort of misdirect me and make me go, "Wow, look at that thing explode! Oh mm-hmm. crap! Did Luke get off of there?" Right. Right. You know, you've got to, It's almost got to be like that personal plot. You know, yeah, we beat the we beat Medici. That was amazing. Oh wait, what do we do with all these baby metas? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. It's a it's all it's a little bit misleading is a strong word, but it it is more like a misdirection. You know, look over there, and then like you get to see the explosion and you know kill the main bad guy, and then when you're done, you look everywhere else and you go, oh, right, and it's personal again. Yeah, because mm-hmm. there's there. I think ultimately, 
there is no way to make a mass combat personal. So here's something we've talked about before. I'm not sure if on the podcast, but definitely between each other, is that you, you mentioned stakes earlier. Mm-hmm. The stakes can be too high. Yes. People stop caring if the stakes are too high. Yes. Well, yeah, if it becomes so ridiculous, the game is going to explode if you don't do this thing. I played in a old Western Games D6 Star Wars. Shout out, my peeps. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and we played in that, and the bad guy was this fallen Jedi. And this fallen Jedi, as we learned more about him, we learned that he was... His moment of infamy was, infamy was that he had... Uh, I, you know, plots always sound stupid when we sure. describe them. Was he a demon? He No, that was a different game. Okay. This fallen Jedi had deflected a Death Star bolt with his lightsaber. So it was just too like, much. Like, the Death Star yeah. fired to destroy a planet, and he deflected And he blocked it. it. He blocked it with his lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. never mind the questions of like, yeah, well, when he, when he blocked it, where did it go? Because oh, yeah. you, you, you know, it is. <laughs> Right? It, it ricochets somewhere. Right? That's really what got older. Uh huh. But but the fact was though, it was so it was so big that it was dumb. Yeah. Right. It was so big that we were like, I don't even care. Come on. Yeah. Right. Like he blocked a he blocked the Death Star blast with his. So lightsaber. Come so on. even in game, your characters learn that. Oh, this guy deflected the Death Star blast. I'm Why are we even trying yeah, to kill him? We can't do this. Right. He he stopped the thing that kills planets. We're just five dudes. Yeah, yeah. But but as a player, you really check out because it it's so big. It's not. There's no sense of realism anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and we're talking about lots. Star Wars. Star Wars already isn't real. You yeah. know what I mean? But you you have. You have a level of um, suspension of disbelief, and it, and it exceeds that. Mm-hmm. You know, when it when it goes beyond that, it doesn't work anymore. And sometimes it's hard to tell where that line is. Well, I think that uh, as a player and as a storyteller, I've seen this happen, and I've made I've crossed the line myself before. If it becomes too big, then players begin to assume that they're on a railroad. They think there's no real consequence for our actions. And even if, no matter what we do, whatever I've already plotted is going to happen. Either they can't win, or they win, but it's not them. It's just another deus ex machina. And they really didn't do anything. They didn't make any choices. They're Like, the players start to feel like, we're just hanging out until that super-powered uh, Jedi NPC that can also block a lightsaber, you know, laser bolt with his lightsaber mm-hmm. is going to show up and, like, redirect the Death Star <laughs> bolt back at him. Right? But yeah, you're right. You start. They start to feel like it's so big I can't touch it, so we're just waiting around for the NPC that can touch it to show up. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I didn't mind them removing Luke from the new Star Wars movies. Because at the point in which he, you know, in that story, he's removed himself from the Force and all that, he's basically unstoppable. There's no story for these new characters. There's no space for these new characters to tell a story right. in which they've got God backing them up. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. God with his lightsaber. So, I mean, plenty of issues with the new movies, too. What they need is Wait, 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 wait. What they need Was that Luke's hand? Yeah, this Luke's hand. hand. This mm-hmm. Luke's hand. It's the one he lost on Best Buy. <laughs> <laughs> Finally shows back up. Right. It's going to come down from, from the heavens. That would be crazy if they find his hand in the next movie. And it's some... Oh. What we need, what we need is <laughs> Klingon time crystals. No! no. I don't want to even talk about that series because I'm not willing to pay $10 to watch it yet. 
Mm. Right. It's only frustrating because the, the this... Everything else is good. Everything is so good. The framework is solid this it's season. It's so good. Okay, so and then they the, were like, oh, and Klingon time crystals. Did they yeah. make it too big? Yes. And so time, they lost but, the personal touch? And they tried to maintain the personal yeah, but touch. Problem is they connected it to a character mm-hmm. that is a Mary Sue. Right. And so, so you don't really care. They could have connected it to almost any other character mm-hmm. on the show and it would have worked. Because you can believe that, that character could fail. Right. Um, but having said all that, like the the real problem with with season two of Star Trek Discovery is the the Klingon time crystal thing. It, first of all, the name is just stupid. Yeah, they couldn't even just have called it some kind of like made up name. Made up name. They called it a bookshaw. Yeah, so, okay, I that? believe that. I it's believe like it. a crystal, and it messes with time. Oh. It's, it's the Klingons. Okay, right? Okay, but, yeah. But you know, sometimes you don't want to call a spade a spade because it sounds stupid. But uh, but the problem is the you know okay so. Storytelling tip, Mm -hmm. time travel is almost always too much. Yep. Because time travel is nearly impossible to get right. So most of the good things with time travel, that's all of it. Like that's the whole point. Right. Like the problem with time travel is, is this time travel plots always end one way. They go back in time and they redo something that didn't go right the first time. Mm-hmm. Every single time travel movie ever made, they all—that's how they work. It's what they do. I will give Discovery the nod of they are showing it from the other side. The people that you're following mm-hmm. are not the are people. not the people traveling. They're not the time travelers. No, right. the the people from the future are coming to the past. So it's that's at least a different twist to it. Right. But yeah, it's like there's so many things they could have done, and they went with time travel. So that's that's something to think about anytime you're going to evolve. Just don't do time travel. Something really big like time travel. Are you taking the are you making the people feel like they don't have agency anymore? Are you making them feel like they don't have their investment doesn't matter because th- things can just change? I think things being too big can certainly affect your investment. And so can like and sometimes size can equate to to cheese. Yes. You mm-hmm. know, and that's the time crystal thing we're talking about. And other times Size can make can lead to feelings of inad- inadequacy, inadequacy or hopelessness, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes size can just be frustrating. This is too much, right? Well, and especially if we've already had a story where we had to save the Earth. Like, yeah. how many times? How many times do we have to save this freaking planet? You know, it's actually a problem I'm running into with. Uh, I've started reading comic books again a couple of years ago, right? And. I've gotten where I hate Avengers stories in the comic books because mm-hmm. all of them are, are, of course, Avengers stories, which are kind of famously big. We've saved the world from Hulk, from Ultron, from Celestial Gods, from everything. And it's you just know they're going to succeed. There's no option. Right. There's no risk. There's no stakes. I, it's just so, Oh, the, the other option is the entire world is destroyed or the entire universe is destroyed. And a story like that occasionally is great. But what it really means is the the, the comic book ends. Yes. Right. Well, right. It's, but but what you can do is kill Captain America's girlfriend. Absolutely. You can kill Captain America. Right. Right. But you can't kill the actual universe you're in. Yeah. And yeah. so you, you can feel that personal threat, when, but you, it's hard to feel uh, a threat that's huge. Mm-hmm. It, the only way for those to really pay off is for... Either to be some important sacrifice at the end that makes it meaningful, or 
you actually do in the universe. And that's the end of the story. Right. And yeah. and that's tricky. It's tricky to rock around and rock around is right on top. It's tricky. <laughs> it's tricky. Any other thoughts? Size matters. Size matters. Don't be too big. It's really the motion of the ocean. All right, let's go to game wrap. <laughs> Welcome to Game Wrap. Well, this brings us to the end. Was it a letdown? We didn't build up very good, though. We did, yeah. (laughs) uh, Was it a build up for there to be a letdown? Yeah. That's where I like to aim. (laughs) Great. Aim low, keep their expectations down here, then if you just. Show up for one episode instead of dialing it in. They love you. Oh my gosh! Can you guys hear that rain? Yes. Also, it's raining here. It's in, raining indoors. Indoors, it's raining like crazy. Yeah. That's not a fan or anything. That's, That's a weird. storm that I've got to drive home through. <laughs> All right. Well, you can find us at honorrollpodcast.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and anywhere else that you listen to your garbage. We're at Twitter, at Podcast. You can also find us on Facebook.com slash group slash Podcast. And, of course, you can send us an email at hosts at Podcast And back us on Patreon. We'd love it if you would do so. Patreon.com slash Podcast. Yeah, yeah. So there. Let's give XP. Oh, Carrie, you get 20 experience points. 20? That's a lot. Yeah, I just felt like you really earned them tonight. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Jason. It's a little patronizing. A little bit, but uh, you know what? I got 20 XP out of it. That's that's right. Jason, uh, you know, you tell people it's 8 XP, but it's really only 4 XP. Whatever it takes. Are we done? We're done. (laughs) We're done, everybody. (sighs) Join us next week when Jason has a discussion about planning your next epic campaign using only post-it notes. That's a real thing, though. (laughs) (laughs) It is now. Uh. I'm Ryan. I'm the curmudgeon. Jason, the favorite's here. And Carrie, the legend, is here. And until next time, remember, the only way to win a role-playing game is is to have have fun. fun. I think I'm going to play in that mush you're starting. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Cool. All right. We'll have to do that. Definitely. Yeah. I'm not. I don't want you to. Yeah. who, Who said you were allowed? What? opinions expressed on the honor roll podcast belong to just those who are here on the podcast and nobody else all of the music is courtesy of kevin mcleod at incompetech.com uh-huh.